by four in the house, Holly G, along with a very special guest, co-host this evening, very good friend of mine, Michael Jameson, the executive director, Grand Puba of the International Network of Golf, which is going to proudly celebrate its 25th anniversary next year at Mission Inn. Michael, wonderful to have you with me, my friend. Holly, it's always a great pleasure to spend time with you. And whenever you call and ask me to co-host, it makes my week. Well, Rich B. is down in Port St. Lucie at PGA Village competing in the Senior PGA National Championship. Round one was today, so we're uh, hoping Rich B. was making lots of birdies. I didn't realize Rich B. was uh, at that level. Good for Rich. Yeah, he made uh, he made it in as an alternate. He packed his bag, said, see you later, Holly. <laughs> and um, you got the call. So thanks so much for being here this evening. Thank you. And a big win for Bubba Watson on Sunday at the WGC HSBC Champions in Shanghai, China. What a finish. I mean, all world for Bubba. Doesn't get much better than Eagle that. Eagle on 18, drills in the birdie on the first playoff hole. I mean, you know, Bubba is something else because at times it looks like he, you know, is so frustrated and disinterested he wants to walk off the golf course, and then he plays on Sunday like the Masters champion, two-time Masters champion that he is. Your your thoughts on the tournament, Mike? He, he's a throwback to the old old days you know he he never never had a coach he taught himself to play uh, he's the most creative player far and away that has been on the PGA tour in in many years uh, you never know what you're going to get though because if he's not focused if if he's not on top of his game that week you're not going to get much uh, but boy when he is he is a lot of fun to watch yeah and to watch him put that bunker shot drain that bunker shot and he actually backed off the shot because yeah. of, uh, I think, a cameraman. A cameraman, uh, and he stopped at the top of his swing in a bunker on the 72nd hole. I would have been hacking. Oh, my gosh. And he turned around and stared down somebody, and then he got back over the shot and, and knocked it in, rolled right in the center of the cup. And he had just made double bogey on 17 to apparently take himself out of the competition, but to come back and do what he did. Yeah, it was he he won the tournament um, hands down, and he had some you know tough competition on his tails. Timmy Clark sporting a little cookie duster. I'm not <laughs> sure I'm going for the mustache. I thought maybe he was trying to hone in on the no shave November, but um, again, just hitting his irons like nobody's business played fantastic boy as his game had a resurgence i think he he had battled was it a wrist injury yeah or he's had several and whenever he is 100 percent healthy it is astounding how good of a ball striker he is if he had been a great putter during his career and had stayed healthy during his career we would be talking about tim clark as a number one number two player in the world i believe he's yeah. that good and ricky fowler another good tournament for ricky finishing tied for third I think he you know was very happy given that he came back and seemed to have lost uh, nothing in terms of how great and consistent he's been playing what do you think it's going to take for Ricky to break through 
You know, I don't know. He, I thought maybe when he won in Charlotte, uh, I don't know, three years ago, two, three years ago, I thought that was going to do it, but it, it just didn't. I'm not certain. He, he was there this year. Where, where did anybody play the majors as consistently as he did? One year he is going to win. I think it's going to be next year. I really do. He's focused. He's he's got game, obviously, and he's he's got grit. You know, and he's got Butch Harmon. And he's got Butch Harmon. Great point. So, I think 2015 will be the year Ricky Ricky wins. Ian Poulter, good round top ten finish. Um, seems to like the WGC events. He 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 likes playing in those events. I don't know what it's going to take for him to win. Uh, in a in a regular event or a major, but of course he's always exciting to see. And Martin Keimer having a good tournament, as did former PGA champion Jason Duffner, who'd been on the IR for a bit, and you know looked like he may have had a serious neck injury, and looks like he's coming coming back. And looked trim too. He looked healthy. Uh, it's good to see. Absolutely. Well, we have uh, a lot of golf to talk about tonight. The LPGA coming to. Naples in a couple of weeks for the race to the CME Globe. And uh, they're playing the Lorena Ochoa Invitational in Mexico. So that should be a great tournament. Mi Yang Lee won the Mizuno Classic last week. So they, the, the girls are still uh, they are playing for points for the season ender, the million dollars. It's pretty exciting what's uh, going on with with the LPGA this season. They have done a great job, Michael Juan. Just just tremendous job with that tour. And uh, talking about the event in Mexico this week, uh, I, one of my favorite events to watch on TV, uh, the 18th hole is a great risk-reward par-5 finishing hole with a green that I would, have to, I would hate to have to putt for a living. I mean, it, it goes from back to front very, very fast. And if you get above the pin on that hole, which often happens on Sunday afternoon when the tournament's being decided. It is almost impossible. You either make the putt or you're looking at a, a longer putt coming back up the hill. Well, we've got a lot of golf to talk about tonight. We're going to take a quick break. We've got Bob Herrick from ESPN.com coming up next. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We're back. The Golf Insider's taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G. Along with my very special guest, Mike Jamison from the International Network of Golf and writer for TheExaminer.com, which uh, has gotten quite big on the Internet, hasn't it, Mike? Yes, it has. Uh, I've been with them for about five years now, and it's amazing how much it's grown, even here locally in Orlando. I've got a lot of good writers on every subject you can think of. So if you got a, if you've got an interest uh, on anything, your hobbies, your work, and you want to write about it and tell the folks about it, just uh, check out examiner.com and they'll set you up. Awesome. Well, we're going to waste no time. We're going to check in two tournaments this past weekend, enough golf to maybe keep you away from football for a few minutes. We're going to go to our main man, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing well. Um, and hey, so is golf. We are in November and big win for Bubba Watson at the WGC over in China. Wow. Doesn't get better than that. Might've been one of the best tournaments of the year. I um, agree. You know, the, the way that thing uh, went down, the leaderboard that they had, uh, the drama, um, you know, it's a, um, 
I would say that that tournament, you know, was it was a great, um, you know, sort of you know a, a great plus for for playing golf this time of year and having an event like that overseas. It was really good, and uh, obviously the way Bubba did it was, uh, uh, you know, it's, Bubba it's, style. It's just like Bubba, yeah, it's just like <laughs> Bubba, right? I mean, to to do what he did and then to, you know, to hold that bunker shot. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, I it. It probably wouldn't have been the same if he hadn't if he hadn't finished it off with 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 the win and, and sudden death. But uh, you know what a what a nice boost for him and a, and a good talking point for the game too. Well, I know some poor engineer at the Golf Channel had to go digging to find like the top ten holeouts to put on Golf Central that night. <laughs> so probably caused some guys some extra work there. But wow, we know that's going to go on the highlight reel for a long time. Well, and I mean, it didn't look like it was one of those kind of bunker shots you expect to make. Um, you know, you hear these guys talk about, oh, this is one he could make. You know, I don't think I've ever thought that about any bunker shot. But but for, for pros, I mean, there are shots when they stand in a bunker and they go, you know, I could hold this. That didn't look like one. I mean, it was a long bunker shot. You know, the water on the other side of the green, the pin was a good distance away, and and, um, you know, I'm not sure he really thought he could make it, but I give him a lot of credit for, for sort of, uh, you know, gathering himself there at a, at a time when obviously it looked bleak. Plus, he, you know, he had let it, he had let it get away. And then even, you know, even to just hit it close and give yourself a chance, I think would have been pretty impressive there. And, and lo and behold, it goes in. Yeah. And he had to back, back off the shot, Bob, uh, at the top of his backswing, I guess a camera click uh disturbed him and he was able to stop his swing but to pull himself back together and do it all again was amazing well and that that led to some of his problems i believe on the previous hole he had had some issues uh with that i mean that's that's one of the problems or you know it's one of the things they face in china where where uh you know that sort of thing happens a lot there's there's a there isn't quite the the decorum yet among fans. They, either they don't know or they don't they, they don't know any better, and and so that happens a lot, especially to the star players. And you're right. I mean, he actually stopped that bunker shot at the top, and then went ahead and uh, <laughs> and re, regrouped and made it. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's pretty pretty good. I mean, if that had happened, can you imagine if that had happened at one of the four majors or? Uh, yeah, it just, it just would have been off the charts incredible. Yeah. Um, I thought what was also interesting is how emotional, and you could tell how much this tournament meant for him to win. I think really important for him, having had a few missteps when he's gone and played internationally, uh, that he was able to win and win uh, a tournament on this stage. Well, you're right, and he, he had a few missteps earlier this year. I mean, um, you know, he I, I actually wrote about this a little bit today, but, but you know, Bubba was, um, you know, he, he didn't handle himself that great at the majors after winning the Masters. I mean, he, he was, his attitude was such that he was almost defeated before he started. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I've always, you always say, give him credit for being honest. I, I appreciate that. He was honest about Pinehurst when he, when he went into it, talk about how he didn't really suit him. He didn't really like the way it looked. And, and sure enough, you know, he missed the cut. And then he missed the cut at the open. But, but I mean, he's got to be above that. You know, he's got he's to suck it up in the, 
and, and deal with it and not let these things get to him. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he had the issues at the PGA where he was complaining and they caught him, you know, on, on TV. You could hear him complaining and, and muttering to his caddy. And, and then, you know, he had a poor Ryder Cup. I mean, really, for, for, for as great as that Masters win was, this was not looking like such a great year the way it ended for him. And then to win that tournament like that, it kind of changes it all. I mean, it was a great a great bounce back, and, and just like you said, after something, you know, to, to win to win overseas, uh, you know, what happened that happened at the French Open a few years ago, 2011, where he where he caught a lot of grief. It it just uh, you know just turned everything around. So there was another tournament going on back here at home, and um, we had a first time winner. Tell us a little bit about Nick Taylor, a Canadian. Yeah, Nick Taylor, a great win for him. I mean, he barely got his tour card. I mean, it's kind of a one of those stories. You hear these stories where guys are just sort of middling along. He, he played on the web.com last year. He wasn't doing a whole lot. He he had to basically had to sneak his way into the uh, into their season-ending event uh, that gets you in the playoffs or the four the the web.com finals. And then from there, he had to have a really good last round to finish among the top 25 to get his card. Uh, you know, they take the top 25 money winners just from those four events if you're not already, already exempt, and he wasn't. He didn't finish in the top 25 on the money list. There was last gasp list to do that. Otherwise, he's back on the web.com. What happens? He gets his card on the PGA Tour, and he wins there. And now he's got an exemption for for two plus years. I mean, it's a it's a great story. That was a, that was a guy who's a very very well thought of amateur. Um, you know, back in 2009, I believe he was second at the U.S. Amateur. He was a low amateur at the uh, at the U.S. Open, and and then kind of had a hard time getting out here. Uh, you know, he turned pro in 2010 and hadn't made it yet. So now he has, and and obviously to win a tournament like that, uh, you know, it's huge. It's huge for his career. It's going to get him in some things. It won't get him in the Masters because it was an opposite field event. But, uh, you know, aside from that, it gives him so many advantages uh, going forward now. Well, and a, and a great win with the, the Sanderson Farms Championship moving to the fall part of the wraparound season. And as we talked, you know, the pros and cons of this, what seems to be never-ending tour season, uh, you know, a, another great story. This is where these guys get the opportunity to, you know, to play, to win, and boost their confidence, and it, it sets up their whole career. It does. I mean, this is this is what this is the part of it where it, um, you know, the, the the PGA Tour should be commended. They're giving these guys a chance. I mean, there's been talk about them not having enough chances. On the other hand, you know, I think you could argue that that the fields are are diminished. Obviously, an opposite field event's going to be that way anyway. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, the opportunity is there. The tour's job, they're almost first and foremost, is to give these guys opportunities. They've done that, and, and, you know, look at all the guys who've taken advantage. Uh, you know, we've had a bunch of first-time winners here in these fall events, and it's kind of hard to believe. It's, it, to me, it's gone by pretty fast. We're, you know, we're upon the sixth week of it now, and it'll be the last week, and then there'll be uh, approximately six, seven weeks before they resume. So, uh, um, you know, all in all, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of all the golf that's played. You know, I think there needs to be a break, but – 
I find these events a necessary evil, and they and they actually have their purpose. You know, they've they've given these guys a good a good boost, and uh, and and I and I like the idea that they count and that they matter. You know, a guy getting a guy who can win this week gets in the Masters, and that's pretty cool. We're talking to Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Over in Europe, it's the Turkish Airlines Open. This is where Victor Dubuisson came on the scene last year, Bob. And I remember watching the tournament and thinking, wow, this guy's got game. And uh, we've certainly learned a lot about Victor Duby this year, astounding play in the Ryder Cup, and uh, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, he is. He's a great player, and... This sort of launched him uh, that that win, and he did it against a pretty good field. Uh, you might recall, I believe Justin Rose was in the mix. Tiger, hard to believe, but Tiger finished third in that tournament and was playing pretty decently that week. Uh, uh, the course yielded a lot of birdies. I think Tiger finished 20 under, and and uh, and couldn't win. You know, it was a good uh, it was a good tournament. Obviously, it's the last one before their final event, which is the the, the, the DP World Tour Championship next week in Dubai. And basically, unless uh, unless Rory, uh, Marcel Thiem, or one other guy, Jamie Donaldson, I believe, those three guys are the only ones who have a chance to catch Rory. And not only would they have to win this week, but the same guy would then have to win next week. Uh, and then Rory would have to also finish down the list a little bit for them to overtake him. So, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of talk about the PGA Tour and the FedEx Cup and a lot of detractors, but, you know, their race to Dubai isn't exactly real compelling uh, this time around. And you can argue that because obviously Roy's had a great year. Uh, but Roy had a great year on the PGA Tour and didn't win the FedEx Cup. You know, he won the money title, but he didn't win the FedEx Cup. And, uh, you know, I think there's something to be said for having these events have a little bit more meaning. And, and uh, you know, uh, that, that, that the tour, the PGA Tour at least, has created that drama. Uh, and that's going to be lacking in these tournaments, I think. Speaking of leading money winners, you had a very interesting story last week just before the the WGC tournament that the leading money winner on the PGA tour in China was suspended six months by the China golf association for signing incorrect scorecards. Yeah. Twice they, they said he did that and they, you know, he was DQ'd from those tournaments. I'm not sure if he was DQ'd at the time of those events, but, but the, 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 the clear implication is, is that they felt that there was something, you know, amiss here. It wasn't like, an, you know, just a scorecard error or, you know, an honest mistake. Uh, to, to suspend them for six months is pretty serious. Uh, what's, what's, what's a bit curious to me is, you know, they have an association with the PGA Tour. The top five money winners from that tour are going to get to the web.com tour. Uh, the person you're speaking of whose name I cannot recall or pronounce I think it's Zin Yun Zhang. That'll that's my that's best right. shot. Nice. That's nice. my best shot. Right. He's that's very very good. He's he's like 27 years old. He's been a pro for a while, but I mean he was the he is the leading money winner. I mean he was almost assured of finishing in the top 5 and going to the web.com and somewhat curiously the PJ Tour has said nothing about this. Um, you know, a partner with them went to that effort to 
to make a, you know, to suspend him for six months and that's serious and the tour isn't saying anything, uh, I find very, very odd. I mean, this guy, you know, does that mean, are they going to honor the suspension? Uh, you know, or could they add to it? I mean, that's a serious, serious charge. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that, that six months is enough. Uh, of course, we don't know all the details, but I mean, if, if, if it's what we think it is, I mean, for them to for them to find it to be that serious, well, then, you know, uh, you know I could stay a longer ban, and the tour said nothing, and, and you would hope they would say something about this. This is one of those instances where, um, you know, trying to uh, deal with uh, punishment without without any transparency, I don't think that's a very good thing. I mean, I think you could say the same thing about the, the Patrick Reed situation as well. I mean, to not talk about this, uh, I don't think looks very good for them. I, I completely agree. And finally, this week we've got the OHL Classic at Mayacoba in uh, Mexico. Harris English, who you know became a, a bright light last year around this time, defending champion. Who do you see going to be the uh, contender or possibly the winner on Sunday? Well, I picked Charles Howell, and uh, you know I just think that he's a guy who should probably win more only won twice in his career and you have to look at his career money total i mean he for a guy who doesn't win very much he sure wins a lot of money you know he is up there you know he, he doesn't he doesn't contend that much but he's finished his 10th 12th 14th a lot he's had some success at this tournament he's already had some success in this season and uh you know he hasn't played in his hometown masters in a long time and this would get him in well, Bob, are we going to see you in December at the Hero World Challenge here at Isleworth? Absolutely. I will be there. All right. Well, you've probably been enjoying um, kicking your heels up a little bit, but we've still <laughs> got more golf to talk about. And as always, we appreciate your time. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Check him out online. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. Stay with us. We've got Jeff Babineau from Golf Week coming up next. We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with my special wingman this evening, Mike Jameson from the International Network of Golf and the examiner.com. Pleasure to have you, Mike. Hello, Holly, again. I know you had a very special opportunity a couple of weeks ago. We actually um, had uh, one of the participants on from the Para Long Drive Championship out in Mesquite, Nevada. And what, a, what, a, what an opportunity to go out there and watch those guys compete. If We don't think golf is tough enough. Uh, I'll never complain again on the golf course. Uh, it was the most inspiring uh, golf event that I have ever been to. Uh, folks with uh, two legs. Uh, no legs or one arm or, or a blind. They had blind golfers um, competing against each other and hitting the ball. And a, a may, uh, just a sick link for, yeah. for that. I mean, the, the, win, the winning drive, one of the winning drives was uh, 406 yards. 406, 406 yards. yards. Now, the guy from Orlando, or actually Apopka, uh, John Rogers, who was a fireman and uh, – it was was hurt in a fire while working working a, a blaze at a home on July fourth, actually two thousand seven, and lost an arm. Uh, now is competing on that tour with one arm, and he won his division out there two hundred and eighty four yards with one one arm. 
Wow, it's amazing. It was inspiring. It really was. We got to see a, a, some of the qualifying at our conference in Atlantic yeah. City in, in June, and that was that was something. And then I know uh, you had the chance to play with a couple of, of these guys. And I, I did. And, uh, again, they, they just <laughs> – once the first tee shot is hit, they are focused on their golf score just like anybody else. And, and they can play. It's not just a long drive competition for them. Uh, we had a pro-am event that I played in, and, and they they are all golfers. They can chip and putt and hit it a long way. Well, our good friend Cody Law, and who's the executive director of Mesquite, Golf Mesquite out there, um, wonderful place to go play golf, amazing resort just outside of Las, A- Las Vegas, uh, but was very instrumental in, in bringing this event, and they've been very involved in the Remax Long Drive for a number of years as well, but a great, great spot to go check out. It really is. The, the, they built a stadium for the Remax World Long Drive, and, and they continue to use that, but this is where the Paralong uh, World Drive uh, Championship were held. But you will never find any better golf than they have in Mesquite. Uh, and it's just a paradise for golf groups. You really ought to check it out. All right. Well, we don't want to waste any more time. We got a guy that uh, decided to quit his desk job and go back full time out on tour because he just couldn't get enough. One of our just ter- best writers in the business. And uh, we're going to go to Jeff Babino, Golf Week, on the line. Hey, Jeff. Hey, what's up, Holly G and Mike? Good hey, to talk to you guys. Hey, Babs, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, thanks. Well, you um, you've decided to go back out to write full time, Jeff. Tell tell back us in tell- the field, yeah. Back in the field, I'm selling all my paper clips and my uh, meeting <laughs> planners, and uh, I'm heading back out into the into the front lines, which I uh, you know it, that's what got me into this business, and it's always been my first love to write and tell stories and and try and you know, find out what the pulse is out there on the PGA Tour and, and other tours going on. And uh, so I'm heading back out there. I'm really looking forward to it for 15. That's awesome. Uh, I know, you know, for a few years now after you left the Orlando Sentinel and then became a writer for Golf Week, then moved inside to be editor. Uh, but that's that's really great. Congratulations. And we're glad we were able to to catch you for a few minutes. You've got some changes going on with the magazine, don't you? There's, we're going to see a new look come uh, the first of the year? Yeah, we've been working hard on a new look. Uh, we're redesigning the website as well. So, you know, I mean, we're, we're always driven by content. We're trying to deliver the best content and, you know, get people out to events. I mean, it's our it's always our belief to be as authentic as we can and get out there. And, you know, we had a guy in China. We got a guy in Turkey this week. Uh we have Jim McCabe out in Mexico, so you know it's our belief that you have to be out there to to see it and feel it. And uh, so we're but we're trying to freshen the look of the magazine and uh, the look of the website, and uh, got some good folks at the office working hard on that. I just love the website. There's just so nobody goes deeper in the weeds that golf week. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt about that. And speaking of which, uh, a bunch of uh, stories you've got headlines on, on uh, golfweek.com right now. Of course, uh, a very uh, uh, sentimental and, and overdue announcement that Charlie Sifford, who broke golf's color barrier, is going to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, November 24th. He's 92 years old. But uh, a lot of uh, 
golfers, Lee Elder and Tiger Woods, acknowledging this long overdue recognition. Yeah, he's a great man, and, and it's a great honor. And, uh, you know, the uh, out of Riviera at the L.A. Open, they've, They've honored Charles Sifford with an exemption the last few years uh, to to a young aspiring uh, player to, to play in the tournament, and it's just great to to shine a light on uh, such a great guy and and certainly a pioneer in our game. And uh, you know, it's I, I think a lot of times we kind of overlook uh, a lot of people in our game who have made it so great. I mean, they're playing for they're playing for six million dollars in Mexico this week, and and there's a lot of people along the way that made that happen. Uh, you know, we, we got to spend some time a couple weeks ago with Arnold Palmer over at Bay Hill. He, he popped in after we played around the golf there and, and sat around talking about his days at Wake Forest and, and the old days out there on tour. And uh, it's, it's just great. I always love spending time with uh, a lot of the players who, who uh, you know, made it happen way back when. And, and you always come away feeling really enlightened from a visit like that. Well, then we have the flip side of that, which is Lydia Ko. Uh <laughs> <laughs> at 17, winning the LPGA Tour Rookie of the Year. Shikes, doesn't that make you feel old, Babs? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Makes feel me old feel old. The time. Yeah, I feel old all the time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, but she's 17, and she's pretty seasoned for 17. It yeah, really scary. Yeah, it's amazing the level she's played at for how long she's played at that level. And, uh, yeah, you don't, you forget she's 17, right? She's, what, learning how to drive, I guess, and, kind of knocking around in a car for the first time, but it's, uh, yeah, Lexi Thompson, Lydia Ko, uh, the young the young people in this business. Uh, it's really refreshing to see the, the up-and-comers and see the potential they have and, and the dreams they have as they go out there and try to chase them. Well, she has always appeared to me, anyway, to, be a, to look like a veteran. She's carried herself like a veteran. She's just level. No matter, you can't tell her whether she made a double bogey or an eagle. She just never changes emotion. I really, I think she came out uh, just primed to win right off the bat. No, I agree. She she's calm beyond her years, and and that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, that's something that players learn to do over time. Uh, you know, you saw Billy Horschel this year in the fall talk about the bad shot he hit at Deutsche Bank and and uh, how he was calm through that he came off and just said he had a bad shot and in the old days his temper would have got the most of them but uh, it's something learned through time but when you see a 17 year old who is so even keel out there uh, that's a great trait to have uh, you know i watched jordan speed the, the kid's got a lot of fire in him which i love to see but i think he'll become a better player when he's a little more level out there and he doesn't have the highs and lows that that he goes through so uh, to have that at 17 years old i think is quite a gift then we have uh, Father Time, Colin Montgomery, <laughs> making his 600th tour appearance. And Monty saying that he's playing some of the best golf in his career right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of golf. You know, you think of when you hear a baseball player or, or some other sports and you hear milestones like that, well, you, you know, you're ticking off 82 games a year on, a, on an NBA schedule or or 162 on a baseball schedule. And golf, I mean, if you're playing 25 weeks a year around the world, it's a lot. So 600 tournaments is a lot of tournaments, and he seems to be enjoying himself. You know, he's got a new life on the Champions Tour. He's, he's out there tooling around in a car and, and going stop to stop and enjoying himself. He gave Bernard Langer a pretty good run out there this year on the Champions Tour, which was tough to do as 
well as Bernard played. And, uh, you know, hopefully Monty will kind of enjoy himself the next few years. For, for so many years, he just looked so miserable out there on the golf course. And it seemed like such a job to him. But it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see him at 50 kind of enjoy things a little bit more and maybe, uh, you know, be a little more laid back. And maybe his golf will reflect that. Well, we've sure had a lot of excitement, particularly this past weekend with Bubba winning the uh, World G- World Golf Championship, HSBC. But a lot of golf still coming up here in the Sunshine State. We've got the LPGA uh, race to the to the uh, CME Globe in two weeks in Naples. We've got the Hero Championship. Uh, Tigers tournament that's going to be at Isleworth the first week of December. And then we've got the father-son, which has been revived, and Jack Nicklaus going to play in the second week of December over at the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, that's a fun event. You know, I think you see those guys in a different light uh, when they have the kids competing next to them. I mean, Jack certainly different. Is you know, Jackie Jr. now, I guess, is in the, in the range of being 50 or so. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when you see a Lee Trevino with – when he brought little Daniel with him the first few years, you know, this little five foot five kid out there competing. And uh, I think these guys have a lot of fun seeing their kids in that arena. And the kids get a little taste of what uh, dad does. Uh, you know, Bernard Langer has his daughter playing this year. And she'll, yeah, you know, she's on the bag a lot, but she get to be inside the ropes playing. And it's a really cool event. It really is. I, I, uh, I just see a huge upside for that. You have all these hall of famers and, kind of a neat chance to get up close and really see these people play. Absolutely. Well, it's fun for us because we've still got lots more golf to talk about in the next couple of weeks leading right up to Christmas. And, uh, Jeff, all the best to you as you head back out on tour, and we'll be looking forward to checking in with you next year. We look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Good to talk to you, too. All right, Jeff Bavano, check it out. Golf Week Magazine, golfweek.com. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G, along with special guest co-host Mike Jameson. And we are going to waste no time getting to one of my other favorite Michaels on the planet. Infamous former PGA Tour caddy, now senior ESPN golf analyst, Michael Collins on the line. Hello, Michael. What's happening, Holly? Hey, I I understand you're uh, doing a little bit of your old job caddying this week. You just can't get it out the blood, you know. Once, once a caddy, always a caddy. And I just, man, there is nothing like being on the bag. There's just nothing like it. There's nothing. It's indescribable. It's like being on stage doing stand up. Same thing. Is this uh, the, this is the Web. dot com Q School, right? Out in you're in Houston. Yes. There's only one now. Now there's no more Q School to get to the PGA Tour. So. Q School now will only get you onto the web.com tour. So we are in the middle of second stage as we speak. So you got to get through second stage, which I think is probably the hardest of the three because second stage is the one where you can see yourself as a professional golfer for a lot of the guys that have never gone the whole way through. And if you make it to final stage, you're going to have somewhere to play. You know, it's all – pretty much trying to find out how many opportunities you're going to get to play 
as a professional golfer. But if you don't make it past second stage, that's the difference between being a pro golfer and a shirt salesman. Yeah. Who, who, whose bag are you on this week? I'm caddying for Parker McLaughlin, who has won on the PGA Tours um, in Reno a, few, a bunch of years ago. Yeah, I remember his name. Uh-huh. Yeah, really good guy. Really, really good dude. Uh, what what do you find the you know the the toughest thing in terms of being there for your man this week, Michael? Or um, you know, I mean, really, how do you best support your player? Well, you know, every every golfer needs something different from a caddy. Um, this week with Parker, I mean, I'm just trying to give him a lot of positive reinforcement, you know, on on what he's doing and you know, trying to keep him in a positive mind frame and enjoying the process of what we're trying to accomplish on the golf course. And, you know, and yesterday was, was uh, for nine holes, we had perfect conditions. And then on the 10th tee, the temperature, literally standing on the 10th tee, the temperature dropped 20 degrees and it started blowing about 15 miles an hour. And today was a, absolute challenge where it was the high was 50 I think it maybe hit 56 but again it was blowing 20 out of the north and tomorrow the high is supposed to be 48 with the like the guys who tee off first it's going to be around 35 Ouch. so this is some brutal conditions in Texas so it's really going to be a test of patience and fortitude basically just trying to make the least amount of mistakes in some really brutal conditions and to try and stay positive through all that is really really a challenge and that's part of what i love yeah no no doubt about it uh, you know we've talked several times when we've had you on the show about you know how when you know how much since your days of catting on the pga tour how you know much Catting has changed and how it's become as much, uh, you know, a, a business because in many ways, you know, you're partners with your player on many levels. And we're starting to see more of the players actually, you know, recognize and shout out their their caddies. Um, interestingly, uh, fairly uh, high profile guy looking for a new caddy, Adam Scott. What are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to end up on his bag? I I honestly couldn't tell you. I just I did a uh, actual video about that uh, on ESPN.com. I I think it's still on our homepage. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, you know, did you conduct a few I, interviews of uh, of some of the caddies? Uh, no, nah, I did that when Tiger was looking for a new caddy. I did a uh, I did a thing about that about. I played about five different characters trying to audition for Tiger's Tiger's caddy job when Tiger's job was available back in the day. With Adam, it's like, you know, he's had Tony Navarro on his bag. He had Stevie Williams on his bag for all those years and for the majors and stuff. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different kinds of caddies that would be good for him because of his personality. Um, internally, he is an extremely competitive person. So while on the outside, he may seem cool and calm and kind of goes with the flow on all the shots, no matter good or bad. 
um, inside and quietly kind of off to the side, he is not afraid to let off some steam. And so he might, you know, want to look at least at, at caddies that are a little more extroverted, which I think, you know, even though Stevie made some public statements sometimes that got him into a little bit of trouble, you know, Stevie being kind of the extrovert caddy might be kind of good for Adam just because Adam is not one that is spotlight-driven. So he's not afraid to have the other dude kind of be there too, sharing, taking some of that away from him. You know, or not taking it away from him, but more like sharing the spotlight with him. The problem is all the best caddies out there, like people have mentioned the name John Wood, but, you know, I don't see John Wood giving up Hunter Mayhan's bag anytime soon, do you? Nope. So, and Tony Navarro is not going back to Adam. I don't see that happening. So, I just... Yeah, I was curious. The guy who was caddying for him last, um, this last time over in at the HSBC was VJ Singh's old caddy, um, who's a really experienced dude, too. Um, and I think his two years with VJ um, make him probably the... the a good front runner for the job. Yeah, good, good front runner. What about you, Michael? You know, that's a pretty good career. <laughs> well, the nice thing is, if I wouldn't say no, I, but I wouldn't also commit to full time. I would say, I, if, I mean, if literally, seriously, if Adam called and said, you know, hey, how would you feel? I would say, listen, let's do three events together. Let's just commit to doing three events together and see what happens. Um, the good thing is, on the ESPN side, Adam doesn't play a lot. <laughs> so I would still be able to keep my ESPN job. <laughs> Whoa, now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, he's only playing like 15, maybe 18 times. So, I mean, I still got 34 weeks I could work, which is nice. So Maybe we can um, get a campaign going for you here. <laughs> yeah, you, you, may have cre- you may have created the best uh, job other uh, than uh, Matt Janella on the, on the Golf Channel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, though. I don't know that, that my personality and Adam's personality would necessarily be a great mix together on the golf course. I don't know. I don't, and that's why I would say, you know, if, if we got together, we would, I would say let's do three tournaments together and see. And we, we would know probably, you know, halfway through the second tournament. Most guys, most guys that I caddy for are surprised how serious I am on the golf course. Mm. That's good. Doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so, because I, I know you. <clears throat> um, I got a little competitive side to me. Yeah. Just because, just because I'm laughing every now and then doesn't mean I don't still want to step on your neck and win. Well, I'm, I am telling you, you got the best, as I often say, the best resume ever uh, from stand up <laughs> comedian to PGA Tour caddy to broadcaster and analyst on ESPN.com. It doesn't get any better than that to make most um, uh, journalism professors probably turn over at night. <laughs> Isn't that everybody's journey into journalism? Oh, that way? buddy, you got, you got one of the best ever. Well, that's why I laugh when I get people on Twitter or I'll get emails and stuff and people ask, hey, you know, I want to I become, get into the business. You know, and then I'll first say, okay, do you want a caddy? Or do you want to get into journalism? And they'd be like, oh, I want to be in media. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm not the guy to talk to. 
And the same with caddying. Like, I'm, I might not be the guy that you want to try and follow this path. You know what I mean? Like, this is not the normal way to get into either media or – and I, tell, I still type with two fingers. So, I'll, hey, it works. why do you want to be like me? It, it works, bud. Hey, or you uh, sit behind a microphone and have a great face for radio like uh, <laughs> Michael J. and I hey, here. Hey. <laughs> At least on the radio, I'm tall and skinny. There you go. There you go. Well, it's always great to spend time with you. Michael Collins from ESPN.com, and good luck. We hope your man makes it, my friend. Thank you. Start sending really good vibes to Parker McLaughlin if you're checking online and seeing how the scores are. We're playing uh, at Deerwood Golf Club in Kingwood, Texas. You got it. All right, Michael. Best of luck. Thanks as always. And thanks, y'all. Mike Jameson, thanks for spending some time with us tonight with the International Network of Golf. Rich B., I hope you're making lots of birdies. We'll be back next week. The Golf Insider.